Well, this week, Easter week, can't you just see it in this chapter, Romans 8? Can you see the mention of the Lord's death? The mention of his atonement, the mention of him being raised from the dead, the firstborn among many brethren, the one who conquered everything so that nothing can stop the Christian because God is on our side. We began this evening speaking briefly on or hearing on being led by the Spirit. I'm going to ask you a few questions because this is important for us to uh, process, lay a foundation. If one is, first of all, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Anyone can unmute and share. What does it actually mean to be led by the Spirit? Praise God, Pastor, to know His will and obey that, like walk according to His will. Praise God, to know His will and to walk according to His will, to obey Him. But there's a leading. There's a knowledge that we need and we get the knowledge through the Holy Spirit leading us, which implies that we are following Him closely. God, the Holy Spirit, is one member of the triune God as God has revealed it to himself, to ourselves in the scriptures. When we go through the scriptures and many Christians or many people claim to be Christians over the years that have had the uh, privilege to dialogue with, especially during evangelizing people. Many people, if you ask them, why do you believe what you believe? Many people cannot give an answer except shrug their shoulders and say, well, that's what I believe. Other people may say, well, that's what I was raised in. Still, others may say, I wasn't raised in it, but I've come to accept it because I think it, it's it's good to believe in something and I choose this. Very few people can actually have a, a, a an answer of conviction, with conviction that I believe because it is true. What is true? Not just historically that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again from the dead the third day. He taught all these things so that we can have a better humanity. That is true, but he's alive today. What do you mean he's alive? When did you see him last? Since he died and rose from the dead, according to history. We see him very powerfully and clearly through this sensory perception, which is 100% spiritual, faith. We're able to see God move in our lives with unmistakable clarity because of results. Better yet, when we get close to God, we're able to see him because we are following him closely moment by moment. It's not just because of the results. As we heard yesterday in the sermon, seeing is not believing. 
believing is seeing. Because if you have seen, you don't need to believe. It's there in front of you. Hope that is seen is not hope, the Bible says. Because we have it in front of us. But we have this strong relationship where I know God is with me. Many of us have felt God's presence in our bodies. In our very bodies. We have felt not just goosebumps and sensations that others may feel when they are excited. But um, we have this deep awareness that God is here in this place. And one of the ways we can verify that within our own selves is that tremendous peace comes. Peace like we've never known before. Oh, that peace. In the face of death, a person has absolute peace. Since when do we last see that in the world? It's usually the opposite. Because I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose what I have. I, who's going to have all my clothing in the wardrobe that I labored for and all the property I bought and all the games I enjoyed and all the friends? I'm going to say bye to the world, to the earth, to existence. What a fear comes over people. The people who seem to be so strong and confident, they wear hats that say no fear. What happened now? Well, what they thought gave them confidence and no fear was actually full of fear. It was fake. But there's an experience for a believer where I'm led by the Spirit of God, which, by the way, means I'm not led by the Spirit of the devil. I'm not led by human reason, influenced by my own limitations. Often human reason is led by satanic reason, often. Another term that we see in this scripture, in Romans chapter 8, is being led by the flesh. Flesh is defined in scripture in two ways. One is the very flesh we have covering our skin, uh, that is our bones, I should say, and our sinews, our ligaments, our joints, the physical muscle and the fibers that make up the muscular tissues. Flesh, the chicken that we eat or the beef or pork or whatever we eat, we're consuming flesh, meat, basically. And in the final analysis, a human being has the flesh, not unlike the flesh that we consume when we eat meat. The other flesh, and that's the focus of scripture, it's a force. It's actually alive. It's an entity that would seek to kill our souls. That flesh in the Bible as we see in Romans chapter 8, is the old nature, which is sensual, which is full of strife, which is full of selfishness. That flesh is militant against the Spirit of God. So the Lord warns us and he educates us on this fact 
And he says, watch out for that thing. In fact, you need to crucify that thing so it never dominates your life again, never rises up again. It's a process that we need to lean upon God for strength to execute. But to be led by the Spirit of God is to not be led by the Spirit of the devil, a.k.a. the flesh, for all practical purposes. Because after all, if the flesh leads a person to die spiritually, that's what is written in Romans 8, then it's the opposite of the Spirit of God which gives life, abundant life. The flesh leads to fear and feuding or fighting. Let's turn to James chapter 4 for a moment. James chapter 4. And how insightful this is to describe what every human being has. All of us have this. This nature called the flesh. And we are supposed to make sure it's crucified and stays crucified. If not, this is what will happen. James chapter 4. Let's uh, take turns reading this. Uh, We'll do it the opposite order. Thanks a lot. James chapter 4, verse 1 in KJV version. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires of pleasure that war in your members? Praise God. James chapter 4, verse 2. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and fought, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the word is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Praise God. Praise God, verse 5. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? Praise God. So those are five verses. I think we'll stop with that. So what do we see in James chapter 4? Do we see a person being led by the spirit or by the flesh? It's obvious. This person is being described. And it starts with, why are you fighting? Why are you always fighting? And this is addressed to the church. Because we know about the world. The world always fights. But to the Christian, if you come to know the living Lord Jesus Christ, why do you keep fighting? The diagnosis, the explanation, doesn't come because you have these desires that are raging within you. See, a person fights with another person when there's a fight going on within themselves. No matter what human psychology says, human philosophy and all of the quotes from the famous people, 
so-called rich and famous, or the learned people, or the experts in therapy. The Bible says, you're fighting with other people because you have a problem within you. There's a battle within you. The believer is not in control under the leadership of the spirit when there's an eruption. That eruption spills over and it affects other people. Verse 2, you lust, meaning you strongly desire. There's a raging desire. We're going to connect this in a moment with being led by the Spirit of God. You strongly desire and you don't have. The next word is absolutely horrific murder. You mean a person's desire can rise to the extent, sometimes very quickly, to the point they'll actually seek to take somebody's life to get their material or their position. My God, how often we hear this happen in our world. Spirit of God speaking through the Apostle James is saying, watch yourself. The various degrees, aren't there? A person begins to smolder a little bit, a little eruption within themselves, and they're incensed and the anger grows. It's like poison growing. And it may manifest itself with no answer to the person who's talking. There's a manifestation of aggravation and anger. No words coming out when they're addressed. Why? Because they're angry. It may escalate to being rough. Maybe slamming a door. Grabbing a book bag. Shoving someone. It may escalate to actually grabbing and clenching somebody's shirt collar. It's a sad reality of violence. Because there's a raging battle within the person. They're not in control. Certainly not led by the Spirit of God. It can escalate to even murder. People are shocked. How did that child ever murder the parent? My God. The Bible says there are laws for people to indict them for their wickedness. Murders of mothers and fathers, the Bible says. How did that person kill the animal, that poor animal, because got angry? How did the person, how could a human being do this? Can we not look at this? Can we look at the person who's ice skating? Can we not look, go and look at the movies and let's have a good time. Everybody's looking for a good time. What shall we do today? To do what? To satisfy my pleasure, my desire. And so I rather live in a Cinderella world where everything is for me. It's all about me and what I can eat, what I can munch on, what I can play and what I can surf. And who I can use for my personal gain. That's what it's about. Everybody knows this. It's a game. You use me, I use you. We're all happy together. As long as we don't cross certain lines. 
That's the way the world is. The desire is a dangerous thing because the moment I fix my desire on something, the desire just needs to intensify to a certain degree before you, before long, I can murder. Somebody says, I would never do that. That's insane. Exactly. The question is, can a person become insane? Can they become that out of control to do it? Of course they can. That's how dangerous the flesh is. How powerfully evil it is. And we have the scriptures come to life every day all around us. People shooting, stabbing, choking, stealing, all kinds of things. Kidnapping. This is the world we live in. What do we do? Ignore it? No. The Christian is well aware of it. To the point that it becomes a passion and a burden. Oh, if they must but see Jesus Christ. If they would but see there is a Savior who can save us from this hell. James says, by the Spirit of God, it all starts from desires. So that's the culprit? You mean, you mean if I didn't have any desires, everything would be fine? Yes. But that's not the solution. We're created to have desires. Good desires. Strong desires. What kind of desires? For justice. For justice. For the right thing. We get angry when we see the weak people being picked on and oppressed. That's a good desire. That desire must grow to the point of taking action. What do I do about this to help the person who's being oppressed? Desire is not bad. Bad desires are bad. So whether it's a child or an adult, most people have bad desires. How do we know? Because most people are doing the wrong thing. That's why the world is the way it is. You see, if the majority of people had good desires, then the world would be a fairly good place. Because the majority would overpower the minority, hopefully. The believer is supposed to have only good desires. Now, we have to start with that, you see. The believer is supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. The believer is supposed to have only good desires, 100%, zero bad desires. Why? Because God is living inside of you. I related this one time. There's a famous actor from the 70s and 80s. And this man was dying. And his wife, typical of most human beings, she was thinking about his money. She was thinking about, well, I liked him when he was able to perform for me. Now he's dying, relatively young man. He's dying. So the facts are he's going to be gone, no matter how much I loved him. Now it's for my next chapter of my life. Um, I have all this money coming to me, and I'm going to see what I'm going to do with it. Too bad. I'm sorry that you had to go. And this woman, on his deathbed, I remember reading this year, many years ago. She said, you'll always be a part of me, dear. He's struggling to breathe and he wants to live. He's trying to 
scream and express, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. Why? Because he's not ready. This famous actor. And the woman is there saying, you'll always have a place in my heart, dear. Now, don't fight it, just let go. How cruel. Even as a teenager, when I used to read or hear these type of things, it used to break my heart. How could a person be so callous? Tell a person who's dying, who wants to live, don't fight it now, let go. And I've heard it even from Christians. Don't fight, daddy. Struggling to breathe. Just let go, daddy. Don't fight it. My God. I wonder how it would feel if the tables were turned. That's how the world is, full of cruelty. They'll laugh with you and play with you and and call you the greatest as long as you can perform. You see, when you become a vegetable, you become trash. That's not what the Lord Jesus taught us. The dignity and value of every person. You don't get rid of them when they're too old. You don't get rid of them because they can't function properly. They're human beings made in the image of God. Ah, but we're coming against the grain, aren't we? Well, we can choose to be a monster and choose to be a real man or woman. When we're led by the flesh, there are desires that revolve around me. Where where does these fightings come from? Wars. The apostle, the spirit of God, steering the apostle to write with a passion. Can you imagine that? Imagine getting a letter to our church. All of a sudden, we see an angel and a big silver or golden trumpet and big blast and proclamation and dropping from the sky. There's a letter and everybody's scrambling to see, what, what is this? It says, letter to E-L-B-I-M from Jesus Christ, the one who was dead and behold, is alive forevermore. What does it say? It says, Why are there fightings among you people in ELBIM church? I'm just saying, for example's sake, there's nothing that I'm aware of that specifically there are fightings going on, but imagine to make it real. I got a letter. It's in my name. It's in my church's name. And the Lord says, you know why you're fighting between yourselves? Why there's jealousy and rivalries and competition? Uh, Things that shouldn't be. Not in the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. Since when did you see the body of Christ fighting against the body of Christ? It doesn't make sense. A schism in the body. Doesn't make sense. Impractical. But it's happening. And the Lord says the reason is there's a fighting within you individually. Where does that come from? This thing, this ugly thing called the flesh. This monstrous thing called the flesh that rises with desire and will kill if it has to, to get what it wants. As I mentioned, there are various degrees in this. A person can have prying fingers ready to choke somebody. Another person would, with a stroke of a pen, write some nasty words. Other people still, they know the repercussions. If I write something, somebody will discover it. If I choke somebody, certainly it will be discovered. So there will be a volcano within me. I don't like you. And I'm not going to let it be known through print or through an action. 
but I will convey my mood. God is concerned about these things. I'm not here to play psychotherapist or psychiatrist, but just to have something interesting to talk about that is very much common in most places. But I'm saying these things because God has said it. And perhaps God is speaking to you. Are you being led by the Spirit? Or are you being led by the flesh? Remember, to be led by the flesh is to be led by Satan, who says, you get what you want, no matter what. And if you don't have it, you may not kill, but you'll be grumpy. And what does the Spirit of God say? Be always full of joy. You mean, I didn't get what I wanted for Christmas? By the way, many of you know, we don't give Christmas presents. We don't take Christmas presents. Ourselves, our family, because as Curb and I were decided years back, the children were very small, that for us, it made more sense to help the people who are underprivileged during that time rather than enjoy each other because Jesus came to give. And the people he said to give, when you have a dinner, he said, don't go call all your guests that you know can pay you back. They can give you nice compliments, thank you cards, maybe invite you for dinner. But go to the people who can't give you anything in return, even if they wanted to. So in that spirit, we celebrate Christmas a different way. Never made it a, a rule for anybody else, but just for us. But think about it. People, Christmas, oh, they got me this ugly tie. I wanted that remote control car, not this one. Oh, boy. Now I got to live with this. And the perfume is the wrong perfume or it's too small. What's wrong with you? Don't you know, Bimeda, by now? Did, don't you know, beloved, don't you know Christmas is about me? Christmas is about me. Even the birthday is all about me. Uh, God, yeah, thank you, God. I give you my props. Peace sign. Let's get back to tearing open these presents, seeing who I can pummel because they didn't give me what I wanted. Are you happy with your present? Yeah. Can you do a little better than that? Yeah. Can do a little better. You want a fake grin? Okay. I'm going to smile for the camera. My God. The living dead? Why? Why is life so dead? Because it's being led by the flesh. What is the flesh? This monstrous part of fallen humanity. Since Adam sinned, not only do we inherit that, but we have a part to play also. We can't blame Adam only. But Jesus said, you put it to death. You see, you can not only deactivate it, you can kill it before it kills you and other people. What's the alternative? Be led by the Spirit of God. Whether it is a marriage between parents and children, between siblings, Sibling rivalry. It's so common, they have a phrase for it. Uh, teenage hormones. It's so common. What's so common? The behavior that manifests, that's been documented, analyzed, and passed off as normal. The Christian has another normal that is the powerful word. 
that reveals who we really are in Christ. You see, when we have this new identity, we no longer go with the norms of this world because they're actually deceived. They are meddling in the mud. They're living in a pigsty. So for them, normal is making mud pies and throwing it on each other and eating mud. That's normal. But the believer is a former pig. Truth be told. Washed thoroughly with living water from heaven that it becomes a lamb. Since when did you see lambs fighting and bickering and rolling in the mud? No wonder God chose a lamb of all the animals. He chose a lamb to call the son of God. Did you ever think about that? God actually chose an animal in creation that we can see. As a representation of God the Son. And he calls a sheep, but young sheep or lamb, generally, they don't fight. They may be slow, but they're not ferocious like dogs or wolves. And Paul goes on to say, Lest anybody think this evening that I'm talking things off the top of my head to make it interesting and put my flavor or spin on it. Paul says this. Why, if you keep biting each other, watch out. You may consume each other completely. You may just disappear. He says, don't fight each other with your words. You keep doing that. You keep chomping like that. Guess what? Your fellow brother or sister, they're going to be gone. Poof, they're gone. What happened? I ate them up. How? That's what Paul says. If you keep biting each other, be careful you don't completely devour one another. God says these words. Oh, how good God is. He spells it out. It may be painful because it's so real. It may be guilty. But I'd rather be implicated for something that is true than to be congratulated with a false appreciation. Dying on the inside. I want God to come and show me. You know, you want to be led by the Spirit of God, going back to the beginning this evening. What effort are you taking, my dear son, my dear daughter? I want so much for you to be led by the Spirit of God. The first thing I must do is confess when I'm not led by the Spirit of God, I'm being led by the flesh. Now, can I track my walk? How many times have I thought I've been led by the Spirit of God and I haven't been? The results show it. What do I do with that? Sweep it under the rug? Or should I be sorry? I can tell you when somebody's maturing spiritually, when they're sorry, there's a grief. Oh, nobody really got hurt. Not that I can see. I didn't get hurt really that much. But something's not right and I'm not happy when something is not right within my conscience. I need to pay attention to this because there will be greater implications if I don't take care of it. What is that? As many as are led by the... Notice it didn't say, many as have the Spirit of God within you. You know why? Because people right away say, well, I'm being led by the Spirit. Why? Because He lives in me. Case closed. When did He start living in you? Oh, when I confess that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But there's a practical part. We need to know that we're being led by the Spirit of God, by the decisions we make. 
We need to be empty. It was stated in the beginning. I can never be led by the Spirit of God if there are desires. You know, the desire can be so strong. And I can go through the scriptures and gather every promise that will support my desire. And I can build up the desire and the passion so much that I'm going to explode if I don't get it. Why? Because I prayed every day. And I found scriptures to support it. And uh, it better happen. Start spilling that out to the husband, to the wife, to the children. You know, just let that be known. This better happen because I've been praying. I've been paying my dues. And I have scriptures. I've been diligently finding scriptures. Can you see the believer? Eyes wide. With this glare. Why? Because I got to have what I got to have. And I'm a Christian and God is good. Uh, We cannot be led by the Spirit of God that way. That is the very hindrance to being genuinely led by the Spirit of God. You see, a desire might be there, but I need to train myself if I'm going to grow in maturity, empty myself of the desire when I come to the Lord. To say, Lord, this desire, I place it at your feet. Lord, if it's really from you, would you deposit it in me deep? If it's from God, I want it with all my heart. I'm going to nurture that desire. I'm going to get myself in alignment with God's perfect will by obedience to make sure that desire comes to pass because it's God's desire. Things that I'm not clear on, I need to really be careful not to let it consume me because I may end up consuming other people in the process. The Bible puts it bluntly, murder. In the epistle of John, it's written that if you hate your brother, you're killing him. The Lord sees it as murder. If you hate your sister, you're committing murder. Well, desire is a vehicle that can consume me to make me consume other people in the process. How we need to be empty. Can we ever be quiet and sit still? I mean, nothing. No fruit punch. No pizza. No uh, sunny weather. You may be in a barren place externally. But full of paradise within you. What on earth are you talking about? I'm not talking on earth. I'm talking from heaven. Isn't that the truth? How often we have experienced paradise. Right within us. Oh, the joy. I've seen it. In many of you, genuine tears of joy and laughter. It's all holy. There's no carnality about it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, when somebody's being led by the Spirit of God, they can pick up when another person's being led by the Spirit of God too. And it gives us joy. But I close with this. In reading Romans chapter 8, James chapter 4. Let's track ourselves because we can do it with God's help. What do I have anyway within me? What desires do I have? 
And have I ever ran by the Lord? Have I really brought it where it's not Lord? You can see part of it. I'm, I'm clinging on to half of it. You can touch it, Lord, but don't touch too much because I, I, it's mine. And you got to go with me now. But, ah, let it go. Any desire, any desire whatsoever, roll it right to the feet of Jesus and be so happy that God is with me. He's going to show me what's good and what's not. And I refuse from this day forward to do this trial and error thing and pat myself on the back because the results show that it worked out. Oh, if you would mature, if we would mature and keep maturing, we need to take stock of ourselves and say, I only want one desire. Please, my Savior, who gave everything for me. That's all I want. I'm so happy. I don't care if it's a desert or on a mountain peak. I don't care if I have billions of dollars. I have not a penny to my name. The Apostle Paul said, I know how to be content, how to be full, both to be abased and abound. I know how to be satisfied. Ah, godliness with contentment is great gain. You mean the person that has gold bars and Rolls Royces and all this grand this and that? And I mean, these people are living with caviar and all this stuff all the time. They can do whatever they want. They don't have to work a day. They have hundreds of people working for them. They can choose to get on a plane right now and come right back in the evening. They can buy whatever they want. You know how many Christians will start having eyes wide? Oh, I wish I could have that. That's the sad state of the Laodicean age we live in before Jesus comes. People really have desires. That I got to have this and I want to have it. If I don't have it, I'm going to be upset. Rather than, I don't need anything. I need my Lord's smile. I'm happy. You know what God will do? For that person, he'll give them everything. He came to Solomon and said, what do you want? Do you want riches? you want long life? you want this or that? He said, I'm just a little child. This king, powerful king, the most powerful man on the planet, King Solomon at that time. The most, and the richest. He had God's grace and he would bring him vast earthly riches. In fact, they are still absolutely in awe. Secular historians, archaeologists, they're in awe. They're amazed. They can hardly calculate the wealth of Solomon. They say by today's standards, they don't know if even billions are enough to calculate the amount of gold he had and silver and all the stuff. Talk about wealth. And what did this man do? He was right at that time. He said, I just want to please you, God. I'm just a little child. I I don't even know how to lead all this multitude of people, Lord, your nation. Would you give me wisdom, Lord? So I can know what to do. Oh, how that pleased God's heart so much. He didn't ask for all these other things that people will fight for and kill for. And what did God do? He said, because you asked me this, I'm going to give you the other stuff too. That's our father. We never have to worry that, oh, I know I should have Jesus smile and that's the but I may miss this. Forget about it. 
God will give us much more than we can ask or imagine. We can't lose when we obey the Lord's word. No matter how foolish it may seem to the flesh, you're going to give this up. You got to have it. Bottom line is, as believers, we should come to this point. I don't know if you ever had a talk with the Lord and with yourself, as I have. To say, Lord, I love you. Yeah, we're human. And you know, sometimes we want to eat. Sometimes we want some good food. We have senses. I mean, we can smell that steak. The colorful preparation of those dishes. Oh, it's appealing to the eyes. And it should be. The touch of that velvety smooth sandwich on our tongues. Melts in your mouth. It's all from God. The abilities. Praise God. God is so good. He wants us to enjoy things. But I need to always get myself to remain grounded in living the truth. And that is, as much as I desire, and the desire is growing as I look at this food or that material thing, and, well, maybe God wants to give it to you. That's fine. But can I, in the height of desire, step back and say, even if I don't get it, I love you, Lord. And it's not, I love you, Lord. <laughs> I wanted it, Lord. But I do love you. Give me a minute, Lord. I need 24 hours to wipe my tears away. Maybe 48 hours to cool myself down and 72 to get back to normal. No. I really and truly so happy, Lord, I have you. You know why? Because I've seen him by faith. I recognize his goodness. I felt his presence surely. The presence of the Lord is in this place. That will cause us to always be led by the Spirit of God. No desire. But not only short circuit, what God wants to do in my life, in your life, it'll have no place. And you know what God will do? He'll roll out the blessings. Because he knows not one blessing will be clenched tightly and say, I got to have it. And it's mine. It'll always be. Father, bless your name. After all, everything's going to lead to you, Lord. I can't wait to see you and be with you. You're my everything. Shall we pray?